Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Aimed in towards Archer! That's a fabulous header! Once again, the Targets, banished the flick on. Gather Round Villains and welcome back to Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Under a Gaslit Lamp, sponsored by Manscaped. Well, it's been 27 years in the making, but we finally witnessed a home win against Manchester United as Unai Emery made an impressive start to his Villa tenure. I'm your host, Andy, and helping me revel in this joyous occasion. It's Craig. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. Yes, it's a beautiful day. Oh, what a beautiful afternoon. What a beautiful time to be alive in Aston Villa land. I was a young child, a very young boy, sat in the stands with my dad in 1995 um, in the uh, in, in the Trinity Road. And it is genuinely a little bit emotional for that hoodoo to finally be over. And um, congratulations to Aston Villa, congratulations to Unai Emery, and congratulations to the players, because this is a big deal for us. It is a big deal, isn't it? And, you know, when you you have a, a record going back that far, um, such a bad record as well, you know. Um, so when I, when I first started supporting Villa, it was quite common for us to beat Manchester United. Two of the first uh, home games I saw were wins against Manchester United. So, um, you know, but... Obviously, uh, it's been an awfully long time, and they've had a, a, a you know a monumental amount of success in that time, and we haven't. Um, but we find we find we finally did it, and we'll we'll get into it in a bit. I've we've we've got the notes in front of us, Craig. But I did forget something. I did want to just first of all ask you about the about the badge <laughs> and the uh, the the new. Um, it's caused quite a stir. Um, it's fair to say, but the the, the two options. Um, that Villa fans, Villa season ticket holders and members have been voting on furiously over the last um, few days. Um, obviously, everyone's, I'm sure everyone's seen them. Uh, there's a, a gas lamp version, which I suppose we should be, uh, we should be supporting, um, which is just kind of a shield with the, the Lion and Aston Villa on it. And, uh, and then there's obviously a, a very... Uh, Sort of reminiscent badge, I suppose, nostalgic sort of throwback to the the eighties um, round badge. So, 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 what are you? What are your thoughts, and, and which one do you like? Uh, this probably isn't going to make for very good podcast content, um, but I really don't give a monkey's, <laughs> quite honestly. <laughs> now, and this isn't me like uh, belittling anyone, belittling anyone that does give a monkey's. I care about lots of very nuanced and intricate things to do with Aston Villa. I once went on a 10-minute tangent, much to the shock of, I think, Mark and Andy, about us signing Axel Twanzebi on loan and why that was a disastrous <laughs> step for Aston Villa and, a, and representative of a, of a backwards football team. So I care about lots of things that lots of other people don't care about. Um, but just in terms of the, the, the badge design, I'm just not emotionally invested in it. Probably the badge that I would have 
returned to is the badge that I grew up with, which was the stripy one, um, just because that's what I grew up with. And that was the first Villa badge that I knew. I know for lots of the current fans, um, slightly older than me, the, the, the round badge is really good. I've seen some, some, some really nice designs, actually fan designs on, on, on Twitter, which have been really interesting and actually probably, uh, nicer than some of the one, than the, than the two that we've been offered. Um, but I, I wouldn't mind really either badge, quite frankly. I, I, I don't mind. I'm not emotionally invested in it. Um, but I do think that the new badge in terms of the symbolism is really important because we do need to kind of draw a line under that Randy Lerner, uh, Tony Jaa era and uh, move into the new the new day with, with a Man United beating Unai Emery at, uh, at, at, at the Fulcrum. But um, yeah, I know that's not a very good answer. But um, what, what do you think, Andy? Which one do you like? Well, I've always been a little bit sceptical of going back to the round badge and a lot of people have been campaigning for that for a number of years, you know, to, to, to go back to that because it, I suppose it's so entrenched in our history with the uh, the European Cup win and and so on. But when I saw it, I was I was just, um, it just took me back really to my first Villa kits, like like you say, with, with you know, when you were growing up, my first Villa kits had the, had the round badge on and... Um, yeah, I I I I'd like that again and I like the fact that it's um it's it's slightly different and it's um it's the, the, the they've turned the line around the other way that makes it a bit more interesting and yeah, I I I went for that one in the end out of the two. Um and I'd be very happy with it, with that one, but I, I know what you're saying it's it's kind of um you know somewhat immaterial really. Um whatever badge is on the shirt, you know, you want you want a you know, good players within the shirt <laughs> to uh, to 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 hopefully. I mean, I said I said said to someone the other day on our on our on our um, chat group that uh, um, you know when it's when it's sat next to Real Madrid's badge in a couple of years on the on the European <laughs> uh, on the Champions League coverage, we'll be we'll be loving whatever it is, won't we? But we um, and yeah, the, and, I, uh, and the yeah. other problem is Andy, it's completely subjective. Uh, the idea that you're going to get um, a, a thousands of people, tens of thousands of Aston Villa season ticket holders and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Aston Villa fans to <laughs> agree on anything, much less yeah. the nuanced design of a badge in terms of the, 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 the font style, the size of the lettering, the, you know, all those things is, is fanciful. You're never going to get everyone to agree. Um, and, and, and that's fine. And I think the danger sometimes of, of, of trying to organize, as I say, a horse designed by a camel is a horse designed by committee. I think the problem is sometimes when you have too many cooks in the kitchen that you get a real bastardized version of something because everyone wants something slightly different in their badge. Um, everyone wants something slightly different in, in, in the football shirt. I personally find the, the Aston Villa kits very boring. Um, I like the the Luke Roper shirt, and again I go back to the stripy ones. We had um, the Merson shirt uh, that we used in the 2000 FA Cup final. I love that Villa shirt. I also love the Muller one, uh, both a home and away uh, from I think the 94 95 season. So uh, again, it's it's it's. I would prefer those kind of shirts over the ones that we get churned out every year. But but again, it's subjective. That's my personal preference, and it's the same with the badge. Everyone's going to have their, their 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 own ideas and their own likes and dislikes, and that's fine. What we don't need to do, hopefully, as a fan base, is is be abusive towards one another about it, uh, because <laughs> other people have a different difference of opinion. I think that I think we can be a bit better than that, Andy. 
Yeah, absolutely. And once it's once it's done and it's decided and it's on the kit next season, it it, it will be irrelevant and hopefully, um, you know, we'll be we'll be in a much better place um, in terms of the team by then. So people might feel a, a little bit more uh, tolerant towards these these things. But um, I'm sure it'll be the round one. I'm pr- I'm convinced it's going to be the round one. <laughs> But uh, we'll, we will wait wait and see for that, that, that decision to come through. Um, another thing that Villa fans disagree an awful lot on is the, is the team selection uh, every week. But um, there was a lot of intrigue, I think, this, this for this one. Uh, Emery's first um, team selection. People were, were coming out with all sorts of um, predictions and... And 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 comments about about what what it could be. Um, in the end, it was uh, not majorly different, other than the, the 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 actual shape. But the team selection was was fairly standard, with uh, Luca Dean coming back to replace Ashley Young at left back, and also Jacob Ramsey coming into the um, the re reshaped midfield um, uh, with Ings dropping out. Um, Another kind of highlight from that was was obviously Coutinho um, not making the bench and uh, apparently um, with a, a quad injury that's going to also keep him out of the World Cup, um, unfortunately, for him. Um, the formation was obviously anyone's guess, but how how did you see the the lineup at, at the start, but also kind of as the game unfolded? I had no idea what was going on either before or after the game, um, it, and 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 that really pleased me actually. Um, I want the coach to know more than I know. I want to be bamboozled and surprised. And I was by the lineup. I was like, well, where's everyone going to play? I think the 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 uh, under a gaslit lamp group chat was frenetic with speculation uh, in terms of how it's going to line up. And I imagine that conversations in the car on the way to the game and on the train and stuff and in the pub beforehand, uh, all that stuff is was was probably going on, you know, throughout the Aston Villa fandom and it was just really exciting because you know that this guy knows what he's doing although he's been in the door only a couple of minutes I was just kind of excited to see what it was and then when um when when there were so many kind of midfield players you were like oh well what's what's going on here what 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 are we doing I don't know and then to see it in 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 all its glory was just really exciting um, because to me, it looked like it could be a four-five-one with with Watkins up front on its own, um, but we saw very quickly within the first two or three minutes that, that it was nothing like that, and it was a, a majestical kind of four-two-two-two and a four-four-two and and everything in between. And um, just as it, I'm excited even thinking about it. Just as it unfolded, it was it was just a sight to behold. I'm I've been sick and tired, Andy, for years and years and years of seeing these teams without being disrespectful to them the likes of Brentford uh, although we recently beat them for the first time the likes of Brighton the likes of of of, of teams with less resources let's say uh, who have really innovative coaching and just come to Villa Park and run rings around us or just finish ahead of us in the league as those two did both last season and now to have us have a manager who does that and we are doing the intricate sexy things it just makes me really happy i don't know how else to say it <laughs> yeah no it's it, it is great and i was i was i was um kind of looking obviously from my position up in the halt end um you know to try and see the shape and to see how it how it was how it was looking and it kind of it kind of it did kind of dawn on me i suppose after 
a few minutes that it looked like the four the four two two two, which I think um, was sort of made made more sort of famous recently in the Premier League by Ralph Hassenhutel, now uh, late of Southampton. Um, he he, that's one of his favoured favoured approaches. Um, you know, and and it and it kind of allows the you know allows you to to kind of overload the midfield, but also the the, the wide areas as well. Um, using those those kind of um, midfielders in sort of wide positions in a in a four four two system, if 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 you like, which you know they they kind of tuck inside sometimes and 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 go out wide, and they can join the attack, and it's it's incredibly flexible. Reasonably, reasonably straightforward. I mean, the the, the patterns of play were, were were really interesting. I thought, though, you know, the there was, you know, numerous occasions there was that ball from the centre back <coughs> into the middle of the park, often sort of towards uh, Buendia or Ramsey, who had tucked inside, and then it would either go further into the midfield or 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 or, or back out to to the fullback, who was who was then in. Acres of space seem to have the the freedom of, of of the pitch to either drive forward or play it into the into the forwards, um, Watkins or Bailey, um, and it was just I, I agree with you. It was, it was kind of it was like watching, it was like sitting the Holt end, all those the the years that I've had season tickets watching other little upstart teams come and pass the ball around us. It was exactly like that. And I got the same kind of confused bafflement um, that I had watching Aston Villa teams struggle with that. But it was the other on the other foot and I was going, how are we doing this? How are, How's Dina finding so much space? How's Bailey and Watkins got so much time on the ball up front and, you know, able to... You know, no one seemed under 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 huge pressure at any point. It was it was an absolute. It was weird to watch it. It really was, and <laughs> and and the Athletic have a lovely article about it going into going into kind of um, agonizingly wonderful detail, and I I read it cover to cover as though it was a as though it was some kind <laughs> of romance novel, um, and I was a middle aged lady. It was beautiful. It just talks about it in in, in all the detail. Um, Ahmed Walid uh, article, and the article's called Unai Emery's Focus on Details, already clear with Aston Villa's 4-2-2-2. So well worth a read if you have a subscription to The Athletic. And it it goes, again, in meticulous detail, just outlining how we create those overloads and how Man United's idea of, of doing a high press was very, very flawed ultimately because Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't really press or sprint anywhere anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah. And no need to at me, all of you Cristiano Ronaldo lovers. He's a wonderful player, but obviously he is in his autumn years <laughs> and it's okay that he can't sprint around for that amount of time. So it, it talks about it in really great detail and just how we create those overloads and, 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 and again, finding the half spaces and, one of the reasons that we did that, and 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 also I point to an interview with with Ollie Watkins where he was really uh, probably less than less than subtle in his damning <laughs> appraisal of the previous regime by by saying uh, something approximating to, yeah, the old manager had 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 the team pumping long balls up to us, and we me and Ingsy spent 
wasted half our energy just fighting with defenders. Whereas Emery said, no, 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 no. We find you the space and we'll give you the ball into feet. So that kind of that kind of thinking is is really not that complicated. All of us noticed that we don't have Keenan Davis up front or James Beattie or or whoever, or even Wesley before his horrific injury. We don't have a big lad up front that you can just pump balls to and it's going to stick. Watkins isn't great at it. Ings is even worse at it. And yet that's what Gerard had them doing. So just for us to be playing, and I, I, I'm just so excited, <laughs> just for us to be playing in a way which is going to suit our players immediately gives us a better feeling and a better opportunity. And I saw something um, tweeted, I think, today um, or yesterday that it's one year since the sacking of, of Dean Smith. And we did waste a, a year and millions and millions of pounds on the Gerard experiment. Millions of pounds buying him and his team out of Rangers. Millions of pounds on 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 some signings which may not work out. And millions of pounds paying him and his lackeys off to get rid of them a few weeks ago. And then millions of pounds to bring Emery in. So that whole transition from from Smith to Gerard to Emery is was was really brutally ugly, at least financially for Aston Villa and brutally ugly for us as, as fans. But it almost feels like, Andy, that all that goodwill and all that good feeling was back from the Smith days. It's almost like that that Gerard period was a bad dream. I don't know. Did did you feel that in the stadium? Yeah, That's certainly how it came across on TV. Yeah, there was definitely a, a, a much better atmosphere, a much lighter atmosphere. I mean, it helps. I mean, we'll talk about the the, the goals in a bit, but it helps obviously when you you two nil up after ten minutes. Um, <laughs> it does. But the, the, the yeah, absolutely. The, 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 I mean, it, it was kind of back after Brentford as well. There was. Um, there was that feeling, but the Newcastle game kind of rocked us back on our heels again. And um, but everyone was up for it on on Saturday. Um, it felt like we were going to win. I, I, you sort of had that, you had that feeling um, from you know during the day, and and um, obviously you know going to the ground, and there was just a, a, that that sort of feeling, and, and obviously um, the fans have immediately warmed to to Emery um now that might be because he's not Steven Gerrard and it could have been anyone sat in that in that dugout I, I but don't know you think older Sean Dyche who who talk sport keep banging the drum forward had the same kind of uh, joy I'm not sure maybe no it might, that might have felt felt like a you know a, a bit of um yeah I don't well I don't. It, it all depends how how managers come in and how they come across. And I think you've said before on here, and, and we've echoed it that you know managers will get support from from the Villa crowd. We 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 do give people an opportunity. Um, it hasn't been portrayed like that. I don't think in the in the national media. You know, but if you you know if you if you if you rub the fans up the wrong way and the football's bad, you, you know, we'll tell you and and and. I think that that's it. The same will happen to to Emery if if things don't go well. But at the moment, it certainly feels like there's a, a real a real feel feel good factor around the club. And you know, we've got another you know a big week coming up this week, and then obviously a long break for the World Cup. So um, 
it's it, it, it's a it's a really strange time, but it it feels like whatever mistakes they've made, they've they've absolutely rectified them. And sometimes you've got to go through that. We wouldn't have got Emery a year ago, so we had to get somebody, and we got Gerard. You know, if Gerard had worked out, you know, I, I heard someone saying the other day, you know, you know, we're, we're suffering now because we lost. Those those winnable games earlier in the season, and now we have to pick up points in in harder games. But if we hadn't lost those games, if we'd beaten Bournemouth and Leeds and Forest, etc., Gerard would still be there. We wouldn't have Emery, would we? We wouldn't. You know, he'd he'd, in, he'd, he'd still be in the in the job, and we'd probably be reasonably happy. I with suppose it. in hindsight, and obviously hindsight's always twenty twenty, and it's really easy to say. If Smith had just been given the rest of last season. I'm quite sure he would have been able to finish, match that 14th place, you know, and then maybe we change in the summer. But anyway, we, 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 you, you are right. And also the, the, the bonus that Gerard has left us is he has left us <laughs> Luca Dean, who, who finally looked like the player that we were signing um, and did look like an upgrade finally on Matt Target, Andy, on Saturday. <laughs> He's also left us with yeah. a, young man by the name, a young man by the name of Bubakar Kamara, who again was great to see him come come on for a cameo. Uh, who who is going to be a big big player if he carries on developing at the rate that he is developing currently? So it isn't all that, and also there is still the the um, the elephant in the room named uh, Big Phil Coutinho. Who who Andy, you seem you seem speculative about his injury. Maybe you can talk about that in a second. But overall, it isn't all bad with Gerard, and 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 if it's nothing, if nothing else. He has left us with some 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 really good names that actually Dean Smith, in all fairness to him, would not have been able to attract. Yeah, and no, I did I did wonder with um, Coutinho whether he'd whether they kind of said, well, yeah, he won't be back until after the World Cup, and then if coincidentally it's also the January transfer window, and I did wonder whether it was one of those um, kind of kind of ones, but I don't think it is. He's obviously come out on social media and, 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 and said that he's injured and he's he's missing the World Cup and he's obviously going to be gutted about that, well, he isn't he? Really so, um, anyway, was he in all in all in all Well I don't I'm not sure. Fairness. I'm not sure. I, he he may have he may have got a um got a place in the squad but I mean we won't know that. Um but you know obviously it's a it's a it's a big loss for him and his his career and one of his goals. So um you know it's a shame for him, and it hasn't it hasn't worked out this far. But you know we'll see we'll see how how things go, and you know maybe there is maybe there is a place for him um, in the Villa squad going forward, at least for the rest of this season. So we'll we'll you know we'll see how that goes. But um, we'll get on to the game, and obviously the first the first goal seven minutes in, very quick start again by Villa, um, which. Is something we're we're not used to kicking towards the halt first half again, um, same as Brentford. Um, I have a feeling that this is a actually something that we're choosing to do. Yeah, um, the, the, I've heard that Martinez has has been captain for both those those games, and and that he may be choosing to do that. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think poss- possibly you know maybe it's a change attack. I mean, obviously, similar to turning the line round on the badge, it's it's kind of ends a. You know, a hundred and twenty-five year history of of doing Funnily something. Enough, my <laughs> uncle always loved it the other way round when we changed ends because he always had this paranoia that we were going to concede concede late in the north stand, so he he didn't ever feel like we'd concede a late goal in the halt. So he liked it that way round. But um, 
it 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 is interesting and look <laughs> let's carry on doing it if we're going to keep smashing two or three goals in in the first 15 minutes hey let's let's, let's do it every week yeah or no, every abs- other week absolutely I, I i fully agree um i remember a game funny enough in the championship it might have been against barnsley and we scored two really early goals i think it was scott hogan like really early uh, kicking into the halt the first half so you know Let's see. We, you know, why not change it if it's, um, you know, or, or choose your games, I suppose. And I guess they lose the toss sometimes. So, um, that's, I, that's I don't like enough. when you mention things like that, Andy. Um, that you've made my heart sink there. I, I try and forget those championship years. <laughs> I I've got it. it up here. I've got it. I, I did love it. I did love it as well, kind of. Um, <laughs> January 20th, 2018, 3 1. Yeah. Scott Hogan. On five minutes, seven minutes, uh, Cavare for Barnsley got one back on 11 minutes and then yeah. Harahan scored on 19 minutes. So four yeah. goals within the first 20 minutes and that was that, 3-1. That was that, yeah. Yeah, very early. Um, you want to guess the lineup for that for that, for that <laughs> game? I probably could if you gave me enough time, but I'm not sure we've got. I'm not sure we've got the time now to do that. Um, I imagine, right. uh, yeah, I, I know it was. I, I remember Scott Hogan getting a couple of goals, and we all thought he was. Uh, I, he was. I'll read the lineup lineup out towards the end of the show, listener. This will be a, uh, this okay. a teaser to stay tuned. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But it was like I say, it was a quick start and great build up for the first goal. Um, Watkins. You know, amazing um, again. What what a good player he is when he's when he's not uh, he's not being um, thrown off the ball by a big centre back um, with the ball up around his head. He's he's you know he's he's a lovely bit of play to get away from 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 a couple of defenders and um, play it into Ramsey, and then Ramsey just slid a lovely uh, ball through, which Bailey his pace he just burned off Lindelof and. Uh, and and finished really well um, past De Gea. Um, but I just wanted to sort of talk about Bailey really because he caused the United defence all sorts of problems in that first half with um, Ollie Watkins. You know they're playing as that as split strikers. Um, you know look really dangerous and really effective. Um, but do you think we're starting to see a little bit of what what, what Leon Bailey's all about now? Yeah, that's that's three goals now this season. I think a couple of assists as well for Leon Bailey in a team that's been, you know, badly struggling for the most part. I think people said after the Brentford game that was Bailey's best performance in a Villa shirt, and this one was even better. Now, with any forward and any kind of player, what we need is consistency. But it seems like we we did suggest last week that Bailey uh, could be someone who really benefits from Unai Emery because Emery loves a pacey winger. That's exactly how his Villarreal team was 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 built, and that pacey winger come forward was uh, Dan Juma, formerly of uh, Bournemouth fame. So Bailey is, with all respect to to Dan Juma, a, a far better footballer for me. So Bailey has the opportunity to do to do some magical things, and he did magical things. That finish was was cool as ice, cool as cucumber. Um, really, really, and you didn't feel like he was going to miss. Now certain players. Not naming any names, Andy. When they're in a one-on-one situation, you do <laughs> expect the worst. But when Bailey was going through, I, I, I thought goal, and and that is that speaks to that level of player. Like there is a level of player where they go clean through, and you're just waiting for the net to bulge, and you're surprised if it doesn't. And Bailey's one of those guys that we've got, and um, 
but it wasn't just that. It was his flicks. It was his tricks. It was his dribbling. It was his work rate. He was a constant dawn in their side. That moment from uh, kickoff, I think, in the second half, where he's he's rolled a midfielder, uh, dribbled, I think, past Martinez, not our Martinez, obviously, uh, uh, Manchester United's Martinez, who should have been sent off, by the way. But that's a different story. And then he's, he's, hit, he's hit a shot straight at De Gea, but it's that kind of burst. Players hate that. Players hate pacey, tricky wingers running at them full force. And Bailey, if he can continue to 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 channel this and continue to stay fit, which is really important, then this could be our new star player. This could be the guy that we saw in that Everton game come off the bench and and, and basically kill Everton on his own, um, which seems like a long, 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 long time ago at the beginning of last season. So. Long may it continue. Credit to Leon Bailey, and um, I'm excited for what this person could be. For me now, it looks like Leon Bailey could be the top goal scorer this season. You, you, you could be looking at a 10, 12, 14 goal contribution from from Bailey if he carries on like this. Yeah, he certainly seems like that. And playing in a playing in the forward line as well, he's going to get those opportunities, isn't he? And like you say, it's all very well. It's all very well playing in a in a really sort of slick, fluid system that creates chances. But if the, if the forward's hitting the goalkeeper uh, nine times out of ten, it's 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 hopeless, isn't it? Um, but like you say, he he's so his finishing is is powerful. Those three goals he scored in the league. By the way, his I did read this the other day. All his four league goals for Villa so far have come under different managers. Um, which is which is quite something. Uh, Smith, Gerrard, Danks, and, uh, and and now Emery, but he's he obviously got one against Bolton in the uh, in the cup as well. But he's his three. Well, all his those all those four league goals he scored have been really powerful finishes, haven't they? You know, he he doesn't mess about when he gets into and those. He's positions. been unlucky a couple of times as well. I remember him hitting the post. I think he's hit the bar. He's had some some a good chance uh, at. at uh, there was one from away from home early where he, was it Bournemouth where he just hit the bar anyway. Yeah, there's there's been. also been some occasions where he's been slightly unlucky as well. Mm. And you can see any anyone that he's one on one with in that kind of area, they're backpedaling. And that also the, the great thing about having someone with speed, genuine speed, which we haven't probably had in this Villa side since um, probably who was the last fast, really fast forward we had. Gabby Codger. before he before he got on. Codger was was fast, but he wasn't like super fast. But anyway, but having a pacey having a pacey strike. I loved Codger by the way. You know, I love Codger. <laughs> uh, he was not in the Villa versus Barnsley lineup though, listener. But we don't worry. At the end of the show, the great thing about having a pacey forward like that is it means that the defenders for the opposition have to sit a little bit deeper because they know if you leave space in behind. We have the players in Louise, Buendia, Ramsey, as we saw on Saturday. They can play that uh, that through ball, and um, and 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 he's in because you can't catch him once he's in in full in full flow. So that means the defenders have to sit a little bit deeper, which is wonderful in terms of opening up space for our midfield operators as well. So having someone like Bailey on fire is really good for the team in 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 a number of facets, and also him being a striker or a, a split striker like he was also alleviates some of his defensive responsibilities, which I saw on, 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 
on Sunday against Manchester United, which is not Bailey's strong suit, because he had Buendia or Ramsey behind him, depending on the moment, he had he had someone else to cover for him and support Matty Cash on that right hand side. And that I think is 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 really smart from Emery because what you're doing is you're 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 accentuating the positive and and covering up the weaknesses. And that's what good coaching is. Whereas the previous guy, not to not to not to belabor the point, he seemed to be hell bent on exposing the players' weaknesses and then getting angry at them, being angry at Ollie Watkins for not being a big uh, a big a big Nile Quinn <laughs> hold up man. You know, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense. But anyway, that's darkness in the past. So yeah, really pleased for Bailey and really excited to see um, to see to see what happens. I think Watkins has now got a fight on his hands to be top goal scorer this season. I think we might have a new man who is the leading goal scorer come 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 May. Yeah, absolutely. We might have uh, if uh, if if Bailey's um, stepdad stroke agent is to be believed as well. We might have difficulty holding on to him, but we'll we, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it in May. But you know, we just want him to just want to see players like that because he's so exciting. He's absolutely electric, and I mean, I, I likened him to Tony Daly after the um, after the, uh, the Brentford game. I mean, this this goal was more. The sort of goal Michael Owen would score, the way he burned off the defender, you know, and and and, and rifled it into the corner. I thought it was, um, it was a it was reminiscent a, a of really... a young Julian Jochim. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I said Michael Owen, and you came up with Julian Jochim. <laughs> well, I'm trying to keep it Villa Andy. Come on, okay, Villa podcast fair, here. Fair enough. Michael Owen never played for Villa. I always thought he might he might end up at Villa at some point, but. Um, Never did. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure Brucey would have signed him at 48 if he could have. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But no, it was it's it was great. It's great to see Watkins as well. You know, had a, had a superb match, and it was almost like these these players had been given um, clear instructions about what their role was going to be um, in the in the lineup, which uh, which must have been a novelty for them. Yeah, and that was another thing in, in, in Watkins' interview. He literally said we weren't overwhelmed with the information because obviously a lot of the narrative this week in the media has been, and from players, ex-players of Emery's and, and, and some of the, the Spanish football experts, has been Emery's going to bamboozle the players with, with, with information. And Watkins was like, nope. It was very simple, very clear. And obviously there's only so much you can do in, in, a, in a few training sessions. It will, I'm sure, get more nuanced and more detailed as we move forward. But Whatever the hell you and I did, it worked and it worked a, a treat. And uh, oh, I'm so happy. Isn't it great? Isn't this <laughs> a great podcast? It is fantastic. So it's fantastic. positive. <laughs> and yeah, it wasn't long before we, we, we doubled our lead. Um, again, it was Bailey um, causing problems um, for, for the United back line. Um, and uh, Ramsey got brought down. Back twenty-five yards from goal, um, which doesn't usually um, mean anything really. Uh, free kick in that in that area. Um, I did read somewhere, or I did hear that the last time we scored a direct free kick in the Premier League was um, Christian Benteke against QPR in in two thousand and fourteen, <laughs> which um, is incredible, isn't it? I know uh, Hurahan scored, did score. From a free kick like that, but it was it was um, it was an indirect free kick. Um, but I mean that's that's just incredible. So we never expect um, a goal from from that from that that sort of area from that sort of um, position. But Luca Dean pu- pulled out an absolute beauty. Um, 
putting it over the wall into the corner. Um, De Gea didn't really seem to get anywhere near it. Um, really good way for, for, for Dean to re- return to the team. And, um, you know, what did, what did you make of this goal and <laughs> going 2 0 up so early? Well, it was really, it was really beautiful. Obviously, I, I was cheering um, really loudly. It was, it was like, it was cloud nine stuff. It was, it was, it was beautiful. But um, I watched an, an interview earlier. Um, Neil Cutler was on Aston Villa's uh, former goalkeeping coach was on uh, uh, Ben Foster's podcast thing, and um, and and it's really a good watch. By the way, I recommend you you, you tune in to that. Uh, Cutler gives some kind of behind the curtains info about Villa and Austin McPhee in particular. And apparently Austin McPhee petitioned the referees because they did the measurements from the, from the, I guess, from the, the footage. And apparently on average, Villa have been facing walls, defensive walls, only seven yards away because the referees have not been measuring it uh, accurately when they're doing their footsteps. So basically, apparently Austin McPhee petitioned the Premier League referees told them about this and that walls are now being pushed back further as a result of this. Now, this apparently came to a head, according to Cutler, in the Nottingham Forest game when Gerard apparently went for McPhee, uh, not physically, uh, because the, 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 the Villa players kept uh, hitting the wall with the free kicks that we had, the direct free kicks on that night, if you remember, Andy. I know you've tried to probably scrub it from your memory. <laughs> so apparently it all stemmed from there with Gerard's, you know, Cutler suggested that Gerard suggested to McPhee that all the time that he gives him was a waste of time and why the players hitting the wall. And it seemed that Gerard was really reasoned and thoughtful in his analysis after that game. But anyway, um, so that wall was further back, I think, in response to in, in response to 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 McPhee's complaints, and we also saw Martinez involved in that and lining up the wall. So I think Cutler says, and I'll go with Big Cuts, a very popular figure at Aston Villa. He says that we will see Aston Villa score a lot more free kicks now because he says that in training, every time the net bulges, he said Buendia's great at free kicks, Coutinho's great at free kicks, Douglas Luiz, Dina. He said we've got so many great free kick takers. And he said that was the problem. The problem was the walls were too close. But now with the walls further back, hopefully we'll see more of these. And it was just magnificent. You just don't, you think it's too far out, as you say. But De Gea wasn't even close. It wasn't like he got fingertips to it. He was nowhere near. So credit to Luca Dean. Um, Matt Target, eat your heart out. And um, it was just a beautiful, beautiful goal. And Luca Dean, hopefully for him, um, headed to the World Cup now. He's proven his fitness to, to the France coach. Yeah, he should he should be going. And like we said um, earlier, I thought he had a he had a really good game, and he, he was picking up all sorts of space down that left hand side, particularly in the first half. You know, really, really bombing bombing on and finding those you know acres of acres of space at times um, that the, uh, the the kind of Villa system was was allowing him to find and linking up really well with with Buendir and. Um, you know, and, and the forwards as well, just 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 really effective, and the goal kind of capped that off really. And he didn't look like a player who was who was returning to fitness. He looked um, he looked really sharp and really fit and really up for it. And um, it's probably the first time, certainly this season, that I've I've, I've seen him playing. Um, you know, with that kind of uh, that kind of impetus. Really, I thought he was I thought he was excellent, and he you know he looked good. He looked good. 
good enough defensively as well, which I know has been a, a, a bit of a criticism of, of of his from well Villa fans and Everton fans in the in the past. So um, fantastic to see him, and that um, <laughs> I did kind of mention to the the guys sitting next to me that. Um, uh, two nil is never is not a nice scoreline against Man United over the years. We've uh, we've been there no, we've, we've, on many we've occasions. Been, we've been hurt before. We've had our hearts broken before on that one, and yeah. many times. Good, so, goodness yeah. me! To go to 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 go two nil up um, with only ten minutes gone didn't feel it, it was great. And obviously, you prefer to be two nil up than not, but it still felt like. There's an awful lot of time to play. I think I said right. We've just got to keep the ball for eighty minutes now, and um, yeah, <laughs> hide it under a jumpers or something like that. But no, it was um, it was a, a, a tremendous start. Um, I mean, Man United did did kind of come back into it towards towards the end of the half. Probably the last fifteen or so minutes of the half. I thought I thought they were well on top, and um, it felt like we'd we'd lost a little bit of. Um, the impetus of what we were doing um, before, although we looked we looked fairly comfortable in our shape, there was always that that feeling. United looked um, reasonably dangerous. They had a couple of chances. Um, certainly, Ronaldo had a had a chance that was well, really well saved by Martinez. Um, and then, obviously, Luke Shaw. Um, he, didn't, he didn't score that goal, did he? It was going must have been go- hitting the corner flag, wasn't it? Uh, the Luke Shaw. It was going shot. pretty pretty far wide. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, obviously and, that, and that's for, the other thing that you think when that when that goes in, you're like, not again, come yeah. on. <laughs> and, and and Man United did deserve a goal. I mean, Ronaldo probably scores that 99 times out of 100, and 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 it was a good save by um, by Martinez. But Ronaldo really there in a six shard box shouldn't have given him any chance whatsoever. But so it wasn't like United didn't deserve a goal, but for them to score in that fashion, you just, I was rolling my eyes and I was like, ah, oh, come on, not again, not again. Come on, we deserve it today. And I think, I think there was a bit of, 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 of maybe nerviness, if that's a word, from the Villa players, which is understandable, not, you know, literally joint, joint third bottom with Southampton when we started that game, not been a good season. So confidence isn't necessarily going to be peak tippy top despite the boost that Emery brought so you could see it, it got a little bit nervy it got a little bit edgy and um and and you were just thinking let's get to half time let's get to half time and then when we don't you're a bit like ah but um but yeah no blame on on Ramsey there whatsoever just really a freak a freak of a of a of a of a, of a, of a one reminds me of that one that uh, did for Dean Smith in the end where Neves hits a terrible free kick which is going miles wide yeah. It bounces off uh, Matt Target's backside and into the corner. And you're just like, ah, here we go. Come yeah. on. It reminded yeah. me literally of that one. And, um, and, 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 and then you did start to become concerned. Um, but there was no need because Uncle Unai had it all under control, Andy. Well, he did, yeah. And as you mentioned um, earlier, we started the half, the second half really well um, with Bailey making that, that burst right from the kickoff um, and having the shot, um, which was saved, but um, it was only sort of four or five minutes, I think, into the half when um, a lovely break, Buendia, um, nice little ball to Watkins, and he he powered towards the penalty area. Um, and what we what what was interesting about Watkins in that moment is we've seen him um, do that head down and 
kind of lose his cool a little bit at times, not sure whether to shoot or take the man on or or who to pick out. But he just got his head up and laid a, a perfect little pass into Ramsey, um, who just rifled it into the into the the, the, the top bin's absolute unerring finish, really. Um, De Gea nowhere near it. Um, and I just wanted to I just wanted to talk about Ramsey because we've we have seen plenty of um, you know lesser prospects kind of or, or even better prospects possibly buckle under the the pressure at Villa Park. Um, he's lost his place in the team. He's had a he's had a, a, a really tricky run of form, um, probably all, all throughout the calendar year. Really, um, maybe not the whole year, but 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 certainly a lot of the end of last season and this season. Um, lost his place um, once Gerard was sacked. Um, but how impressive is this reaction? That performance. Um, you know, obviously, just absorbed everything that he was he was asked to do by Emery uh, during the week. Um, how impressive is that reaction, and 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 what does he bring to this team in that in in that role? Well, he brings energy. He brings bravery on the ball. Um, Ramsey with green grass in front of him. I think he's one of these players that arguably moves sprints faster with the ball than without, which is uncanny. Um, it's absolutely incredible to see him. The way that he finishes, reminiscent of those Leeds goals, where it's there's no scuff, it's just it's just like gives the goalkeeper no chance whatsoever, and it's really a high pressure moment there. That chance is not as easy as 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 it as you might think it is, but um, he just does magnificently well. And Ramsey is actually spoken about by Cutler also in this in this uh, Ben Foster podcast because um, Foster asked him directly about about Ramsey and I won't give away the whole thing if you want to watch it but the gist of it is that Cutler says Ramsey struggled because of constantly changing roles and I take that to mean under Gerard Ramsey was being asked to do certain things he's being asked to cover at fullback and then that goes away then he's being asked to be a wide forward against Man City that went well and then he's not asked to be a wide forward anymore he's back in central midfield with John McGinn which we know didn't work and, um, and 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 our feeling was, Andy, I think early early earlier in the season that this guy is not a number eight, at least not today, not yet. And obviously Unai Emery kind of agreed with that. He was kind of an eight and a half. He was nominally starting on the right wing. Um, he's working hard without the ball. He's a real athlete. He's he's a big lad. He's growing all the time. He's turning into a bit of a, a bit of a unit now. Um, harder to shrug off the ball and, and all those kind of things, and he's only going to get bigger and stronger as he matures into his into his um, into his mid 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 twenties. So, really incredible to see Ramsey at his best, and that is again, it's it's just not rocket science. You you set up your players to succeed. Watkins was set up to succeed. Um, Bailey was set up to to succeed and Ramsey was really set up to succeed. And obviously he's not going to play like that every week. He's still a young player learning the game. But now he's got a proper coach rather than kind of a, a figurehead, if you like. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure that not only Ramsey um, will be able to come on leaps and bounds, but also lots of our other young players as well because we do have a couple of other gems knocking around in the championship, the likes of his, his brother, uh, Aaron Ramsey who's doing really well with Dean Smith at Norwich and obviously Tim Arugbunam which is probably now who's now probably the pick of the bunch of our young players also coming through um, and having a great time at QPR so 
I think Emery's going to be the right man for for the likes of Ramsey and others, and um, and and long may it continue. He he is he has everything. He has everything you need. Um, so let's see where how high he can go. And I think that an England call up within the next uh, six to twelve months would not surprise me one little bit. I think he's moving into that territory now uh, with those kind of performances. Yeah, I mean, you know, very possibly. And I think I think what's impressed me, and I kind of alluded to it there, was the um, a bit about his character as well. You know, because I think it would be easy for him to lose lose heart and lose confidence over the last few months. Um, obviously, getting swamped in the midfield in in you know in Gerard's system, not scoring his goals. He's 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 a he's, he's you know he's a he's a he's a kind of natural finisher. He, he strikes the ball incredibly well and incredibly powerfully, powerfully and accurately, and he's just not been getting those those six opportunities. Six goals isn't it, last season. Six goals six, from midfield. Six last goals, season. yeah, yeah. Which is which is which is a really good return. We we, you know, I think Grealish would have been would have been pleased with that. Um, most of his. Well, he definitely most, be pleased with it this season. I don't. I don't think he scored one. No, the exactly. best team in the league. So um, I think. It's the you know to, and and to say right okay that manager's gone because I know I think he did he did think a lot of, a lot of Gerard and I think Gerard had a out of everyone I think had a, had the biggest impact on on Ramsey initially but it's obviously gone it's obviously gone a bit a bit sour in the back half of back end of last season and, and early this season um, and Ramsey hasn't looked anything like the player he was um, at the start of last season and. But I just think a lot of these players, you know, it's not really about whether they're playing in or in in their favourite position or not. It's about giving them clear, clear idea, a clear idea of what's expected of them and what they're meant to be doing on and off the ball. And I think, yeah, I think but, that applies to but, to Bailey and Watkins, and I think it applies to Ramsey as well. It does, but 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 to, to add to that, to 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 just real really double down on an earlier point. If you're asking Ramsey to be your makeshift uh, left back, as Gerard was in uh, under Beal in the early part of, of, of when once you know at certain points last season, that is not ever going to be the way to get the best out of a, of, of a Jacob Ramsey. If you're asking Ollie Watkins to be your your Chris Wood, that is never going to get the best out of Ollie Watkins. So, but again, Ramsey, the, the sky's the limit. His 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 brother, I watched uh, Norwich versus QPR last week um, to watch Ramsey and Eric Bunham, and they those two are the best players on the park. So again, we have some really exciting times. Uh, I may be biased, but we have some really <laughs> exciting times. Eric Bunham got man of the match actually. Um, but uh, we have some really exciting times moving forward. And Ramsey is the new, he's the new poster child now. Grealish is gone. Grealish is for, forgotten. Jacob Ramsey is the new poster child of the Aston Villa Academy. And you couldn't have anyone better suited because he's 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 just like pure. Like he's a pure athlete. He's, he's clean living from what we know. We're not seeing any of the nonsense we saw with Grealish as a young player falling out of nightclubs, drunk off his face and on, on, on who knows what. Ramsey seems like a really good family guy, really down-to-earth lad, really hardworking, and, um, and, and you want people like that to do well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And he's 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 certainly making his mark and he's he's um he really kind of stepped up and, and to, to go from he must have been he must have been um really down losing his place in the last couple of weeks and I I bet he's um he's he's absolutely buzzing now. Um going in you know, after after such a great performance and a and a and a brilliant goal as well. Um so I mean yeah, speaking sky, sky's of, the limit. Speaking of buzzing. <laughs> Speaking of buzzing, yeah, yeah we're, we're going to have a have a little break now for our for a word from our sponsors, Manscaped. And after this, I'm going to tell you the Villa team versus Barnsley from January 2018. Well, we've just witnessed an Unai Emery masterclass, but do you know what else can witness a masterclass? Your balls. Support for the Gather Round the Lamp podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the absolute best in men's below the waist grooming, with precision engineered tools. Products for your testicles, your nostrils, and everything in between. This is the future of male grooming. With a waterproof trimmer that gets into all the hard-to-reach places, and a waterproof weed whacker for your nostrils, which helps to reduce nicks, snags, and tugs. There's even the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Toner, boxers, and a travel bag thrown in as well. You can save a hell of a lot of money by going to manscaped.com and using the code GATHER to get 20% off and free shipping. That's the code GATHER to get 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Unlock your confidence and use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Okay, welcome back to Gather Around the Lamp. Craig, what was that team? Well, here we go. This is the championship. This is January 20th, 2018. Uh, and the, the Villa line, this is not that long ago, the Villa lineup is a, Lineup was as follows. Number one in goal, Sam Johnston. At right back, number 27, uh, our, our Egyptian king, El Amadi. Number five, James Chester, Villa legend. Number 26, Captain Marvel himself, John Terry. Left back, number 21, Alan Hutton. In defensive midfield, a forgotten man. Number 20, uh, Bjarnason. <laughs> On the right wing, we had Robert Snodgrass, another cult hero. In central midfield, we had apparently Jack Grealish and number 14, Conor Harahan, who scored. Left wing was number 37, Uncle Albert Adoma. And up front was Scott Hogan. Glenn Whelan, Josh Onoma, and Keenan Davis were the three subs used from Aston Villa on that day in the 3-0 win. My, how times have changed. Every one of those players is long gone except for the only one is still on our books is 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 Keenan Davis from yeah. the whole squad yeah. and he's not even on really on our books anymore you know i think a a permanent move has been agreed if if what would get promoted so he'll be he'll be off yeah i think he's that out is, of contract uh, at the end of the season isn't he so uh, yeah blimey yeah we've 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 had a lot of players haven't we <laughs> last few years we've had a lot of players <laughs> it's mad to think though if you look at this if you look at this team now it's it's a really good championship side that we probably should have gone up automatically long before we did. Well, I think that's a really that's a really talented side for the championship. Are you kidding me? Grealish, Adoma, Harahan, Snodgrass, Terry, Chester. It's, that's <laughs> like a, it's an all star team, isn't it? Why were we doing so badly anyway? Well, this isn't let's <laughs> not really dig out that, but yeah, that, yeah, that is a really good team for the championship. Yeah, absolutely. We 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 probably should have been. A lot better than we were and came came up a lot sooner than we did, but maybe we wouldn't be in the position we're in. 
um, now with our with our owners and obviously uh, Nazif Sawiris um, making sure he got his he got his uh, his favoured um, appointment as manager uh, in Unai Emery. Um, it's been a really really good unexpected um, start to his his Villa career. Um, I think really impressive interviews last week. Obviously, his his press conference was fairly short and sweet, um, but it's just a, as we've mentioned earlier, complete change in the energy and the atmosphere around around Villa Park. There seems to be a, a bit of that kind of connection and 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 just kind of feel good factor back, um, you know, from from the evidence of the first the first match. Um, but what are your what are your early impressions? What what are you and what are you hoping for now? Um, obviously, you know, going into this this break um, for the World Cup. Well, it's been absolutely um, gangbusters. It's been it's been perfect from from Emery. He has not put a foot wrong. This is someone who's incredibly experienced. He knows the right things to say. More importantly, he knows, unlike the previous incumbent, the things not to say. Um, he hasn't come in all um, kind of macho, macho, and and well, this player's not good enough, that player's not good enough. The first thing he said was, these players are good. These players are good. They've been underperforming and we're going to get more out of them. He hasn't really talked about, you know, transfers as such. He hasn't said, oh yeah, we're going to strengthen in January. He hasn't alienated any of the existing players. He's got everyone on side. He's, he's given everyone a fresh a fresh slate. He even brought on Morgan Sanson, who got a fantastic reception on, on Sunday, just to again let everyone know you're you're involved. You, everyone's going to have a chance here. Everyone's going to have an opportunity to be a player for Aston Villa. So that is really good for the the fans. It's really good, I'm sure, for the squad. Everyone will feel like they can be involved. Whereas lots of people were frozen out under Gerard. Clearly, he didn't fancy certain players, and that was it. That was the end of it for them. And um, and, and Emery seems to be a kind of different, a different kind of cat. He also seems like a very nice man. So in that way, it seems like a continuation of the Dean Smith era in terms of having a real togetherness, a real connection between the fans and the, the manager and the manager and the team and, and, and a really symbiotic uh, uh, relationship. So the early signs really couldn't be any any better. If you were marking, out, marking it out of 100, you'd probably give it 99 uh, with the only, with the only uh, kind of negative check mark being that really fluky Luke Shaw goal. Otherwise, it's been absolutely perfect. He hasn't put a foot wrong. Um, and and it, it leaves you excited. The only thing he may have done wrong, actually, is he may have set expectations too high. Because <laughs> now, as we're about to talk about the next couple of fixtures, um, you, you kind of feel like we could win both of them, and that might not be realistically where we are, but that's the feeling that he's created. So that's my uh, first impressions, Andy. How about you? Yeah, I think I think you have to you have to put certain things down to a bit of a new manager bounce as well. Um, clearly. You know, players, and it's a it's a well known phenomena that um, players drop off when they when they're finished with the manager, um, and then once the, when the new manager comes in, they kind of pick their performance levels up again because they obviously want to make that impression um, to to make sure that they you know they stay in the side. Um, I think that's a natural thing. I don't think that's anything you know anything uh, surreptitious or or nasty or anything to, i think i think we're probably all like that in our workplaces you know if a new manager comes in we want to show ourselves in in the best light don't we um so you know there is a bit of that as well 
but that isn't notwithstanding the fact that the, the, you know the difference was was incredible and you know to to actually sit there at Villa Park like I, like I mentioned earlier and watch the Villa team you know playing with a tactical plan rather than watching the opposition coming with a tactical plan and us trying to you know counteract it um in a in a kind of clumsy or or um or over the top sort of way you know we've we've done that we've executed a plan you know calmly and efficiently and we've we've dispatched man united which is you know is is incredibly positive and it's it's absolutely correct that we should now have reasonably high expectations um of of what's to come we have to understand that they'll you know it's not going to be all you know we're not going to we're not going to win all our games but i think it's fair to assume that we will generally when we go to villa park or when we go and watch the team play away from home that there will be a plan there will be a plan yeah. for that match and the players will be well drilled sometimes we're going to get beaten by a better team or you know a team that just hits their straps better than we do um but that won't be because we are underprepared under this manager and that is the exciting thing for me and isn't that i mean don't you shouldn't you think that's kind of the bare minimum for us to be prepared i mean it's it was used to be on our badge i'm sure um, not on a new one, but anyway, I digress. Yeah, it, it it does feel that way, and 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 you feel like when we do lose the games, and we will lose games, it's not going to be for a lack of effort or preparation, or uh, you know, a, 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 it's not going to be for for a want of trying. Where you feel like sometimes we've shown up, you know, away at Bournemouth was was probably the the the, the biggest example this season just kind of expecting to roll them over oh yeah we, we'll just lump crosses in and it's gonna be fine because we have better players it's no 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 not so fast my friend it doesn't work like that teams are better organized now than they ever have been the the, the caliber of coach in the premier league top to bottom is higher than it's ever been uh, wolves actually have just signed a, a really good uh, coach as well in lopetegui so there's just really top managers coming into the league again and again and again and it's just not enough anymore. The days of the old, you referenced the, the Martin O'Neill time, that day of the kind of man motivator, Kevin Keegan style manager is long gone. You have to be a really cute tactician and a really intelligent operator to even to even tread water in this league now, never mind to succeed. And fortunately for Aston Villa now, we have one of the very best, most pedigreed coaches in Europe in Unai Emery. So... Long may that continue. Do you think as well that's partly because of the fact that these these players now are growing up in academies where they are getting excellent coaching? A lot of these coaches that are in the academies are really, really good coaches. You know, they might not be like the big names, they might not even be ex players, but they are they they're, they're tacticians, they know what they're doing, and, and players are used to that and they're used to absorbing a lot of information. And when they don't have yeah. to, when they don't have that, when someone just says, like um, Steve Bruce famously said to Scott Hogan, just go and run around up front, you know, they, they, they're, <laughs> then they're not buying it, are they? They're not having it. They're not having those type of those type of characters. Yeah, and 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 that's kind of cultural as well. I think in in, in all of football, and and I imagine that that from what I hear, it, it that transcends into youth kind of amateur football as well. When I was a player, um, a, a young lad playing football not in any kind of elite academy, but just in, in normal kind of Sunday leagues or Saturday leagues. 
it was really meat and potatoes kind of stuff. It was, if in doubt, kick it out. You don't, don't muck around with it in stronger terms at the back. Like, it was all that kind of, it was kind of meat and potatoes football in, in, in the 90s and stuff. And, and now it's far more nuanced. You're looking to get your technical players on the ball. Even like amateur teams are looking to play out from the back. And, and it's a whole different world. Football has evolved so dramatically with the, within the last kind of 10, 20 years that I think even some of the players that were, were big stars in, in yesteryear, they wouldn't get a sniff today um, um, if, 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 if they were doing the kind of old school things that they used to do because I think it's just moved on and, and, and it's getting more and more technical as we move forward. And um, and 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 it becomes more of a um, more of a game of chess, anything than 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 it ever used to be. And um, and I think we have a chess master on board now in in, in Unai Emery. Yeah, yeah, it's the phrase you used about. Um, it, it seems like we've got an adult in the building now, and yeah, that's that's definitely the feeling. It feel, feels like we're being, you know. You know, someone has arrived, and we can all kind of relax a little bit. You know, we've, we can all breathe now. It's like, yeah, I, <sighs> I think I think I put on our on our group chat the other day. <laughs> it feels like we've been walking around with a, a dislocated hip for the last year, and <laughs> someone's now just come along and popped it back into place for us, and it feels it feels okay again. You know, um, so you know, long long may that continue. A bit of a strange one. I don't know why that came into my head, but. Um, <laughs> it's your age, Andy. You're yeah. starting to think about hip replacements and dislocations in your hips. That's why, yeah. <laughs> yeah. especially in these winter months, the damp yeah. plays havoc. Yeah, or oh, that draft, <laughs> that draft. Um, but um, yeah, well, I mean, look, let's let's see how this week goes. As you mentioned, two two huge games really coming up. We really want to finish this part of the season really well. Now it'd be re- it'd be nice to uh, progress in the in the League Cup and also. Um, you know, a, at least a point more. Um, Brighton away, Brighton away would be would would be would be excellent. Um, I think Thursday night, Man United away in the cup. That is a potential opportunity to obviously progress, but but also maybe to look at some of the squad options. Um, Dendonka and, and Bednarek, I believe, are, are both cup tied for this one. Um, I'm not sure about any any injury. Um, Concerns, but um, there will be players, I guess, like as you mentioned, Morgan Sanson, maybe Cameron Archer, um, possibly others that, that that might come into contention and and that Emery might want to have a look at. Um, what would you like to see for this one in terms of the, the the start and the starting lineup and the and the and the system? Do you think it'll be different? Do you think we'll see something different again? Well, I would say unchanged, um, but we can't do that because Dendonka is uh, cup-tied, which means we will have to make at least one change in that area. Now, you would th- Kamara would be the obvious one, but then you have question marks over his just recent return from, from quite a bad injury. Is he fit enough to start a game, or does he just kind of need 30 minutes at the end? Uh, if If Kamara isn't fit to start, then you're getting into Morgan Sanson territory or you're getting into John McGinn territory. Um, and McGinn, it seems that Emery, just based on one game, but it seems that that that, uh, that Emery sees John McGinn as someone playing further forward, which is what lots of people have asked for with John McGinn. So it will be interesting to see. You would imagine that, that McGinn will come in for Dendonka, but McGinn isn't, doesn't have the same profile. So you'd probably rather it was Kamara 
Does Marvellous Nakamba get a look in? But again, he can he last 90 minutes? He hasn't had a lot of football. So it'll be really interesting to see. I would imagine they'll do the same again. Um and 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 we'll see where we are. But also the, the thing with 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 the Hasenhutl 4-2-2-2, that is also the formation, Andy, where Danny Ings scored 25 league goals by having by being in that same formation with with being supported by by Che Adams, formerly of the uh, Small Heath Parish. So, is there an opportunity for Danny Ings to come in and actually finally make a mark for Aston Villa as well, playing in a system that he's familiar with and that he has been able to thrive in? And again, with him not being asked to be the lone striker, that could be interesting. So, we also have the game on 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 Sunday to contend with. So, I'm expecting some rotation. But with Emery, I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, Dendonka spent some time on Sunday in the number 10 position. I think McGinn was playing up front for five minutes. So I have no earthly idea what this guy's going to do. And I'm I'm excited to see what he does do. Um, I would keep it the same, I think, and, and try and win the game. Kamara, if he's ready to start, would be the only change. But um, I think it may be a little bit more intricate than that, Andy. Yeah, I think there might be a few changes. Um, I think I think he will he will want to have a look at Sanson, and I think he, he might he might think it's a good opportunity to get some get some uh, minutes into into Kamara. So we might see that that as a possible central midfield partnership. But I was thinking earlier in terms of this system, you can rotate so many more players around that system. Um, than we we ever could before, where you you don't necessarily need specialists in those positions, so long as they know what to do. And I was thinking about McGinn. He can potentially play in about five positions. He can cover about five positions: the two, the two defensive midfield positions. Those those two kind of um, wide wide midfield positions. Because they're not really, they're not they're not wingers. They 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 start out wide and they and they they come inside, and also the number ten position. So he's he's his scope to be able to rotate in and out of that side is actually far greater than it was with and than it was under Gerard. You know he he's he's he can actually his skill set I think allows him to to play in any of those positions across the midfield and in the number 10 so it could really it could really work in his favor and he could he could he he could potentially have a new lease of life in that in that team depending on how the others do you know i think i think the jury's out on one or two of them um well he you know. he looked better McGinn. um when yeah. he came on he looked more like his old self um so that was encouraging as well to see him looking. I mean, it was a short appearance, but he he looked better than he's looked all year in that short appearance. Um, so that was encouraging as well. And I think I think it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see what what Emery does. And I am literally it's Tuesday afternoon. Um, so we are here where I am. It's Tuesday evening where you are, Andy. We're we are forty eight hours away, and I'm literally excited for it. <laughs> I'm excited to see. Aston Villa and what we do and how we line up and 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 it's beautiful for me because it's in the afternoon. I'm not going to be bleary eyed and having to set an alarm to watch it. I'll be watching it at a reasonable time. So I'm really excited for this. And likewise, the Brighton fixture, 
Um, we have had some success against Brighton. Brighton are flying, and 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 but um, a good a good a good cup run and and being away from that relegation zone during the World Cup will be very very good for Aston Villa. So if we can get two wins, oh, it'd be great. <laughs> but even a win and a draw would be fine. As I say, what? a point. I would. I wouldn't turn my nose up at a point at Brighton uh, at this point. Yeah, I think it shows how kind of damaged we are when we 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 are kind of putting the handbrake on in terms of our expectations so much. You see other teams change their manager and you know go three or four games wins on the row or or, or whatever, and you know it, it, why can't it happen to us? Why can't we have 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 a bit of that? Um, We've Where? seen Newcastle change the manager and become become league uh, the Champions League contenders. <laughs> so, well, yeah, or hey, if not, uh, maybe title contenders if they carry on yeah. the way they're going. Um, yeah, for sure. But that, but you know that you know why why not? And absolutely, I want I want to feel excited. And if we if we're here next week talking about um, a couple of wins or at least not losing, um, we'll be we'll be really looking forward to that Boxing Day. Um, Turn against Liverpool, at Villa Park because yeah. you know we'll be we'll be it'll we'll be, be we'll be starved of our <laughs> of our Villa. It'll be rocking. Oh, it will! It will that day. Um, Boxing Day is usually quite sleepy, but I think first game back against Liverpool um, will will be uh, will be a tremendous occasion. I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Um, okay, uh, let's see then. It's, it, we can't speculate too much, can we? But uh, but let's 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 see what Thursday and Sunday brings. Do you want to give us uh, a couple of predictions for these two? Villa go through on penalties at Old Trafford uh, after a one-one draw, and uh, Villa also get uh, share the points at Brighton with a two-two draw. Okay, okay. So two draws, but I think we progress in the cup on pens. Martinez doing a masterclass and uh, a two-two draw at Brighton. Yeah, I think a bit will depend on on the team selection that that, that United make as well, um, but we'll uh, we'll see. I'm I'm going to go for a, a I'm going to go for a one nil Villa win on on Thursday and a a two one Villa win on Sunday. Um, but thanks for joining me, Craig. Um, it's been great to great to talk over that and such a positive podcast. It's been really great. Um, and if you uh, hopefully you, you enjoyed that, listener, and thanks for joining us. Um, obviously head over to our socials um, at um, Under a Gaslit Lamp on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram um, and our website underagaslitlamp.com and also check out Manscaped for all your uh, male grooming products. Get 20% off and free shipping with our code GATHER. That's 20% off and your free shipping with GATHER. Um but all the best if you're going to either of the away games uh, this week. I hope you really enjoy it, make the most of it um, before the World Cup. And hopefully we're back next week with an equally as uh, positive discussion for you. Um, but until then, take care, stay safe and up the villa.